0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is second place in the esporter/slash just Man streamer <laughs> showdown, Ethan Sachs. Ethan, how does it feel to have finished in second
1: place? Well, it feels it feels slightly bad. I def I think I had the best deck at the table, but you know, no, no shame in losing to to kenji aka numatanami um it was a blast i i have not been winning a lot in this format but i've definitely got the w when cash is on the line <laughs> getting eighth <laughs> place at uh scg con pittsburgh and then second place on the east border uh streamer showdown tournament that happened this week if if you are not on the the twitch verse uh what happened was there was a, a streamer showdown tournament a pod of eight on tuesday a pod of eight on wednesday and the top four from each of those pods then competed in uh, a new pod on Thursday. And I got uh, got the 2-1 in my first pod with just classic red-green beats. And honestly, like not a deck that, you know, if you saw that deck, you'd be like, wow, I, I would be lucky to get a 2-1. It was a yikes. League. Yes, I was impressed that you 2 one with it. <laughs> well, but I do think, pod drafting is a lot different. Like it was, it was open for my deck and to speak to what we're about to talk about in this episode, it had a good curve, right? It had a good curve. It had blitz creatures. Like it did the thing it was supposed to do consistently. And if anyone has having to do like, you know, tap land, tap land, I was effectively trying to punish those decks. And so I did manage to uh, get the W there, get the two one, and then drafted just an awesome broker's deck on uh on the finals draft on thursday uh getting into brokers i was you know you're always skeptical of can i get into the best deck when you're drafting with people who know what's up as as a lot of streamers do but i got into brokers and then opened sanctuary warden pack two pick one which just felt awesome yes
0: it was awesome to be able to watch that and to watch your rounds it was very cool so congratulations on a solid second place finish
1: thank you so much man and congratulations to you on summer break, you had your last day of school on Wednesday. Heck yeah. Hashtag summer break. I am carefree, played a
0: lot of magic. I will say I have been dipping my toe into best of three. I have sworn off of best of one for at least the rest of this month. And best of three has been a really nice change of pace. It's, well, first of all, I've been winning, so... <laughs>
1: <laughs> helps. But I
0: mean, just in general, too, it is very nice. There's the whole best of one, best of three argument like, well, you play against tougher competition in best of one. And yes, that's true. You get matched up against better competition. But it's artificial, too, because you're just jamming super busted decks against each other round after round after round because the people in Mythic and Diamond all know how to draft great decks. And in best of three, sometimes you play against someone that train wrecked a draft like after you go 0-1 or whatever, you know? And it's nice to just like play some real magic, slow down, mulligan to five. Like I, the amount of times I have mulliganed is wild <laughs> like, compared to best <laughs> of one.
1: It is just incredible. So it's just a different feel. And it was nice to get back to that. Yeah, I, I came to the realization earlier this week that I was like, oh, I think now with the advent of play in points, I think I'm not playing best of one like at all anymore because the only reason to play best of one before was to get to mythic and then sit on my rank and qualify for the qualifier the, the following month or whatever and then you know when that was limited that would be relevant like it was this past weekend but now with the plan point thing i don't even need to do that like i'm just going to rack up playing points and then i can cash those in and do the the qualifier for the qualifier events when it's limited so i think i think best of one is firmly in my rearview mirror Wow. Yeah. And I think the other thing I was talking about on stream with folks that
0: were asking about it, I do think it is good for the podcast that I play best of one and you play best of three because we're getting both perspectives. But it has been very refreshing to go back to best of three for a while for SNC. And I am not enjoying the format more, but I am at least like
1: not dreading sitting down to stream and play magic like I was there for a while. (laughs) There is a. I, I feel similarly about like not enjoy. I still would say I'm not enjoying the format. I am enjoying it more than I was a few weeks ago, and I think part of that is is winning. But I think also there is a uh, an enjoyment in a solid understanding of the format. Right? It does feel for lack of a better word, solved at this point. And I feel very confident in my decisions. And a lot of the decisions that I make in the format are wrapped up in what we're going to be talking about today, which is the the, the two drop problem or the fact that the format centers around two drops. Like you, you messaged to me, like two drops feel like the most important thing in this format. And I totally agree. That is the thing that feels like the defining feature of the, of the format. If I could tell, if someone was like, give me one tip, about drafting Streets of New Capenna, I would say you need two drops. You
0: need 10 good two drops and you have to mulligan every hand that doesn't have a good two drop in it. (laughs) Yeah. And it doesn't quite feel that way as much in best of three, but it seriously did start to feel that way in best of one to me. Like I started winning a lot more in best of one prior to my shift to best of three. Once I started mulliganing any sort of hand that needed anything to get there. Like I just wanted to know I was going to get on board on turn two.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. A few housekeeping things before we get into that. First things first is the Patreon page, patreon.com slash lords of limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. Of course, the show will always be free. But we've got a lot of sweet perks over there for our patrons. Everybody gets access to the discord. And next week, we're rolling out our first ever draft or noon. Well, actually really our second ever because we did a little holiday party. But uh, with some of our patrons at, uh, at I believe our, our $10 tier, we'll be doing a, uh, a draft afternoon with them. I don't know what we'll end up doing. We'll have to see how people show up. Uh, We'll hang out on a Zoom call and and do a draft together, either a team draft or just a regular one, or maybe Ben and I will sit out and do some announcing. Who knows? But it'll be a a fun one. So if you want to get back to the show, if you feel like you got some value out of it and you want to show some love our way, we'll show you some love right back with those perks at the Patreon tiers. And of course, we want to welcome our new patrons to the fold the first week that they join. This week, we're welcoming Mati, Nico, Jose, Andy, and Daniel. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support.
0: Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. And also cannot say thank you enough to Channel Fireball. Mm. ChannelFireball.com, best place to go for anything and everything you need magic-related. And we say it each and every week, stuff about, you know, CFB Pro or... They had just recently had an AMA with Luis. But honestly, CFB has taken great care of both Ethan and I, and Mm -hmm. they've shown us so much love. And we really do mean it every week when we tell you to go to Channel Fireball and buy sealed product or go to Channel Fireball and get on CFB Pro. If you like things like our content or maybe it's the streamer showdowns, the team draft we do with limited and limited resources, all of that stuff wouldn't be possible without channel fireball and honestly marshall and Luis being great and reaching a hand down to include us in the channel fireball family so please go over to cfb show them some love and make sure that you use code lol all caps when you do to let them know that we sent you over there wow
1: wholesome ben on his summer break carefree and just showing that love (laughs) you love to see it all right ben we're going to be talking about one-way streets and u-turns how do you feel about that Ooh, i love it yes okay so, Because I do think a lot of what happens in these drafts, in this format, your decisions get compounded or there are hidden implications about picking cards because of the nature of, one, white being so powerful and red being so weak. And two, it being an allied color pair format in uh, under the guise of, oh, it's a three color format when really it's just a guild set.
0: Yes, absolutely. And honestly, I was thinking about this before we started recording. And to me, a way to frame it that I've been kind of thinking about for myself that makes it a little more palatable is that those decisions that you make early in the draft, you know, pick two, pick three, pick four, pick five, they're really important. And once you make those first four picks, there's not as much wiggle room as usual. And rather, that's one of the things that I resented about the format. And rather than resenting it, just trying to think about it maybe like piloting an aggro deck where, you know, you have those decisions on turns two, three, four, five. They're really compounded and really important. And, you know, sometimes the aggro decks get a bad rap for, you know, not having as much play skill as control decks. But I don't think that's the case at all from talking to people like Alex or Ryan, you know, that is not necessarily my default tendency. But I certainly have come to the point where I appreciate aggro decks. And I think rather than resenting SNC for compounding decisions earlier in the draft, I've tried to embrace that and just put a lot of weight on those first, you know,
1: five, six picks I make in the draft and then being willing to let it ride out after that. Yeah, this is a lot different than you know a set like, like even just coming off of Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, where a lot of times one of the things that we try and tout, or one of the things that I think is a, an unappreciated skill in drafting in general, is getting deep into one color in pack one and leaving you open for a second color in pack two. You can't really do that in this format. There are going to be times where you have a sense of, well, I know my main color is blue and so maybe I'm going to be base blue white splashing black or base blue black splashing white or maybe I'm base blue white splashing green like there are some drafts where that's the, the consideration but most of the time you're kind of locked into your two color base by about you know the middle of pack one
0: yeah and I think rather than resenting it try to look at that as a feature of the format at least that's been how I'm trying to spin into my mm-hmm. head that yes this format does clip my wings a bit as a drafter, <laughs> as it were, you know, like because I think that is my single best skill as a limited magic player, like solving formats and then just being really comfortable bobbing and weaving and dipping and turning in drafts. And there's not a lot of turning that you get a chance to do in SNC. Like, as you said, you maybe get to make one U-turn <laughs> like early on, mm-hmm. and that's about it. And it's there are drafts that are super interesting where you can bob and weave pretty deep, but those are like one out of every 10 or 15 drafts. I've found in my experience, I just have not been in that spot. And rather than resenting that I don't get to do that, I have been trying to.
1: <laughs> you keep saying resenting. You're I do so... resent this <laughs> format so much. I whatever. Yeah. Where
0: are the where do the format? I don't know. Where do the where do the draft recording today? I don't know. The clue. There's a lot of built up trauma.
1: Yes, I know. This I format. Know. Get it out. Get it out. <laughs> air,
0: air your grievances. And I've been trying to reframe it as is a challenge. And yes, I'm getting handicapped a little bit in my draft ability here, but. I do want to make sure that I still leverage everything I can in those first five, six, seven, eight picks, however long I get until I have to lock in. And something that I have been, I think, messing up on is realizing when I do need to lock in and it is time to stay in my
1: lane and go for the rest of the draft. That's a piece of content that I want to do at some point that like that decision point the like, okay, the point of no return of here's where I know what my two color is. I know what my second color is at this point. And a lot of times in draft formats, that's like pack two, pick three. But here it's often like pack one, pick five, you know? <laughs> like I, I think that that point you made about like, yeah, maybe one in every 10 or 15 drafts, you're gonna be gonna be bobbing and weaving, but you you get punished a lot of the time and you're gonna feel pulled in two different directions quite literally. Like if you're simultaneously trying to draft white green and black red and see what's open. It, that's just like a recipe for disaster. I think like you can't really, you know, be like, well, I could do one of each and we'll figure it out in pack two. You can't do that. And part of that is, I think, sending back bad signals. Mm, interesting. I have not felt bad as much. I've just felt like it's
0: hard to pick up the requisite number of two drops in both color pairs to actually be able to go that deep. Because to me, the, the tipping point usually is ending up with you know, once I've got two to three two drops in a color, I'm kind of like, OK, we're, we're this color because I've got some two drops and I know I'm going to have some good two drops if I am this color.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. So you've got a you got a great point here to start us off with our show notes, which is the two reasons to pivot in Streets of New Penna. Yeah. Number one, bombs and two
0: drops. I do think you're willing to pivot for bombs. And honestly, you're more willing to pivot for seeing premium two drops in a color or color pair. And reason number two, see reason number one.
1: Yeah. The first rule is you do not talk about Fight Club. And the second <laughs> rule is you do not talk about Fight Club. Yeah. I mean, bombs, which there definitely are quite a few plentiful bombs. And I would I would put inspiring overseer in there. Shout out to your Twitch chat. Um, but I would also say that that premium two drops are such a huge portion of this format. And are one of the reasons that locking into a color pair happens so early is that like you get a civil servant and then a second civil servant and you're just like, what am I supposed to do? Like the other day I drafted, I think I started off with the Maestro's Diabolist, which is one of the best rares in the set. The blue, black, red, 1-4, Haste, Death Touch, when it attacks. If you don't have a devil, you make a 1-1 devil. And I took that. And then in my first eight picks, I saw three Civil Servants. And I one, I would rather be a white deck than a Maestro's deck or a not white deck. But two, like when I get t- three copies of a premium two drop... You better believe there's no way I'm, I'm moving off of that color pair.
0: Well, and one of the things that I've had to fight as a drafter, I've had that experience as well, where you get, you know, let's say you have a thing and then you get two civil servants and I feel panicked about yes. being locked into green, white. Like, I feel like, oh my God, I can't pivot. I can't, I have no big old room. I just feel constrained, like almost claustrophobic. And that's the thing, the mental shift that you need to make is that's a good start to a draft, right? Because yes. you have the most important pieces And then even if green and white are kind of cut, like you can still cobble together enough for the families and call just strong arms and whatever to make a winning deck around your civil servants. That's all it takes. You've got the most important part of the recipe. So rather than feeling
1: panicked, you need to feel good about that. Well, and the reason there's panic there, whereas I think, you know, if, if you replace civil servant with snooping newsie or body dropper, you don't feel panicked. And I think you have this point later on in the show notes is that the panic is wrapped up in do I fight for white or do I have to jump ship? Am I going to be in a pod where people don't? know how good white is, and this will be smooth sailing? Or am I in a pod where three other people are trying to draft white, and I'm going to have to fight for dear life to make playables to support these civil servants I have?
0: Yeah. And even if you do have to fight for playables to support the civil servants, I think it is worth that fight. I think that is a positive start
1: to a draft. Well, because what, as we'll see, white just has so much support. Whereas, you know, if you're going body dropper, body dropper, and you're feeling like red, black is cut, great, get out of there. Like, <laughs> dress Like <laughs> Yeah. <you know, laughs> Right. Made it. Like, there's no reason to fight for it. Don't fight over one of the reasons to draft red black is you get your pick seven girder goons or whatever, because people are fighting over white. Great. I'm fine to be in that situation. But if you're, if you're getting feelings that white is cut, but you have a strong start, like you've got disciplined duelists and a couple two drops, I I would, I would try and stick it out there.
0: Yes, that is my sense as well.
1: Okay. So why is it, we've sort of touched on this a little bit, but why is it so difficult to pivot for anything other than two drops and bombs in this format?
0: I think reason number one is the format's all about leveraging tempo. A lot of the best cards in the format are premium two drops that outclass the other two drops. And then there's cards like Majestic Metamorphosis, Quick Draw Dagger, that are tricks that are essentially two-for-ones that let you keep pressing your advantage so well. All of the best cards in the set want you to be ahead, and there are not a lot of premium cards that enable you to catch up easily. Didn't you just write an article for CFB about how blocking is illegal? I did. Just do that. (laughs) (laughs) But the
1: idea that there are other ways to play defense. Like the premise was that you need to play defense instead of block. Right. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Another reason is if you pivot colors and don't end up with enough two drops or cheap removal like strangle, like, you know, honorary two drops, we might call them, you're going to be behind and the cards you pivoted for likely aren't worth the risk of being behind in a majority of games. And there are very few catch-up cards in the format, right? You you really have a hard time because of, you know, the combat tricks. I would throw Blitz in there as well as another reason that it's hard to block. I would throw Shield counters out as another reason that it's kind of hard to block. That, uh, that there's just so many things baked into the format that make it hard to catch up if you're behind on board.
0: And something like Cleanup Crew reads like, yes, this is a great catch-up card. I'm just way lower on cleanup crew these days. Like I just want a two drop over cleanup crew in the vast majority of drafts early on. Now, if I'm green and I get a cleanup crew, great, I'll play it. But you better believe I'm picking civil servant and even two drops like Rafine's informant or backup agent over cleanup crew in the majority of drafts.
1: I remember my first draft of the format at my LGS with prize packs. I had pack one, pick one, cleanup crew versus jewel thief. And I took cleanup crew and I just that that isn't even close to close for me anymore. <laughs> that is a windmill slam jewel thief at this yes. point. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Just, just kind of wild. What happens if you pivot for a bomb? Like what happens if, I don't know, are you maybe you're you're red black in pack one and you open Sanctuary Warden? Like and you want to pivot for that and you want to set yourself up, maybe, maybe you go, okay, maybe I could be black, white, splashing blue in the middle, like. It's just so hard to get there, right? You really need a lot of things to go right and you got to go into damage control to make sure your curve isn't atrocious.
0: Yeah, I think if there is a point to hammer home this episode, it is that you need two drops and you need to be able to reliably cast your two drops. And I, I think both you and I subscribe to the theory of you need all of your two drops to be in two colors like that. There shouldn't be a third color of two drops in there. And some of that is that if we say, well, you know, if you've got enough sources, it's okay to play that third color of two drops because I've seen Carl uh, Two Duck cubed who's a very good player, you know, usually at the top of the mythic ranks uh, in most formats. I've seen a lot of decks. He's posted to Twitter that are just a lot of three color, two drops. And he definitely is on, you know, you need twos. He's got 10, 11, 12, two drops in three colors, but he's also got a ton of fixing But as soon as we open that door, then there starts to be a lot of sketchy decks. I think you really, really, really have to know what you're doing with mana bases to be wanting to play three different colors
1: of two drops in your deck. Well, and I also think about like, let's say you're white green. I wouldn't be so mad about, you know, if I had enough connive, I wouldn't be mad about fairy vandal being in my two drop slot there if I was green, white, splashing blue. But I'm always thinking about it being a base two color and then splashing a third, it's very rare. Certainly, I, you know, I will have had drafts and I will have drafts where I am like full on three color, but I just sort of recognize and will acknowledge this is not ideal. And that is how I feel about it. Like I'll definitely get you know people suggesting things like, oh, we're in brokers. Why didn't you take Echo Inspector? And it's like, yeah, Echo Inspector is a, a good card, but I don't really want to splash for that. When I'm green white, like I wanna keep my splash for my Discipline Duelist and my Lagrella. Um, if I have to splash or I want two drops or whatever, my fixing is good enough. I don't mind Fairy Vandal being in that mix because. Yeah, it's a great card on turn two, but it's not a bad two drop if I've got enough card draw to play later in the game. So it doesn't feel like a bad splash, but I'm always trying to frame my colors and my two drops in the sense of what are my base two colors
0: for sure. And I think one of the things that bears this out, if you don't just want to take our word for it, if you go to 17 lands, one of the features they recently added is the ability to filter cards by top users, average users and below average users. And you could go to, you know, just the the deck win rates, like, for example, look at blue, black, or white, green, or blue, white, or whatever. And you could look at those decks straight two color, straight two color with a splash or full on three color. And if you filter by top users, you can see it bear out in the win rates that people lose more, the more they start to play like three color brokers decks lose more than white, green brokers decks or white, blue brokers decks, you know, so it's interesting. Wow.
1: Ben Wernie looking at 17 lands data in his spare time? Hashtag summer, baby. And I was also very curious about the the top users, average
0: users, bottom users. I'm much more curious about looking at it if you can filter by top users. I'm just elitist that way, you know?
1: <laughs> um. So how do you pivot? How can you make a U-turn? Because I do think a lot of times your drafts are one-way streets. But when there are U-turns, what are you trying to do? What are you looking for? How do you do it? So for me, what
0: I'm doing, and I think you subscribe to a lot of this as well, is taking two drops super aggressively early in the draft. This is, for me, the best way to open up multiple lanes, because if you're trying to, like, let's say pick four, you maybe want to switch into blue and you have no two drops that touch blue, like it's really hard (laughs) to move into a color without already having a two drop in that color, in my opinion. So I'm taking two drops crazy aggressive, even if they don't go in the same family. I think having premium two drops early in the draft is the most powerful thing you can do as far as opening up options for you to pivot into multiple streets, as it were, um, during the draft.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think one of the things that folks don't really latch onto a lot, or like something that I say on stream or in coaching sessions a lot, is like, give weight to the cards you have drafted already, right? And the further you get into the draft, the more weight you want to give to those picks. Not like a sunk cost fallacy type thing about like, well, I never want to pivot or never want to move off you know, my starting color because I don't want to give up on the picks I've made. But you should be giving weight to those picks. And as the draft progresses, give more weight to those picks existing because it means you get to play more of the cards you've picked already. But you also want to be aware of, okay, am I really giving up on anything to speculate on this body drop or speculate on this civil servant or how much better is this, right? The the sort of checks and balances thing, like you do in any draft format, applies here, but it's just applied in a lot different ways or or maybe sort of tunnel visioned a bit more, you know? Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think some of it is a
0: mental shift too, to where you're looking for two drops as signals, right? Like when Mm -hmm. you're wanting to pivot, you know, if you're seeing body dropper, okay, like maybe you're taking that and you're thinking about moving into red black. Whereas if you're seeing Forge Boss
1: or- That's a great example. Forge Boss is just such a nothing card. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> but it, it just doesn't matter at all. But it looks like it should be a signal, right? So just right. knowing
0: knowing that the low drops are more- like signally ish. I don't know what the word is. They're more important. They're premium compared to something like maestro's outlaw or whatever. Like, yes, that might be a signal that
1: maestro's is open, but if you don't get the two drops, you can't be maestro's anyway. Right. Exactly. This next point I think is so, so important. I definitely get these suggestions on stream when I've, you know, maybe I've taken a a discipline duelist first and then the next pack, there's not really anything exciting, but there's a broker's hideout. People be like, Take the broker's hideout. Sometimes I might, if we're really talking about a super dud of a pack, I just don't take lands early until I know what my base two colors are. And we haven't talked about that, right?
0: Like, I think you have, and you and I have come to that conclusion independently, but I think you're not supposed to take lands until you either A, know what colors you are, or B, Have a very specific card that you know you want to splash, and you already know like one of your colors for sure. So you can take lands that touch that color. But I think early on, if you're taking lands, you're setting yourself up to be in a position where you are playing three colors or are splashing, Mm -hmm. and you should be actively trying to avoid that scenario, I think. And a couple things happen there. If you take those lands early, you're not taking two drops early. So then you're making it harder for yourself to pivot, in my opinion. And then also, if you do end up finding the right two color pair, in my experience,
1: you tend to wheel the lands sometimes. Right. Well, and the other thing is that there's this weird thing that happens. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago off off content. I think this was just in our Discord chat, where like, I think the fetch lands are better to take when you don't know what you're doing, which is weird because like, I'm now saying, well, I don't take lands until I know what I'm doing. And then once you do know what your two color base is, I would rather have the dual lands that are in that base two color than the family fetches because those dual lands, if I play one of those tapped on turn one, that's going to so likely help enable my two color two drops, which are one of the most important things you can do when you find an open color pair. Yes. Don't take lands early. I, I I really feel like that's a key to this format and it feels so counterintuitive because there's two cycles of lands at common and this is supposed to be a three color format, but it's not. This is a two color format. Don't take lands until you know your two color pair. I
0: think another really important thing to do if you're thinking about pivoting or trying to pivot, and this is especially true for white cards, if you don't know on Arena, there is guaranteed to be a common of each color in every pack. So I think you really need to make note of commons missing from the packs on Arena, especially starting, you know, like pick three, pick four, pick five, and see if there is a white card in those packs or see if there is a blue common in those packs if you're thinking about being those colors. And worth noting for this format, it doesn't have to be a single colored card from what I understand. It could just be a single pip somewhere. So there might not be an actual single white common, but if there is the gold white card that still counts as the white card for the pack. But as soon as there's not a white pip in the commons, you know, someone took a white card and that does not extend
1: to the lands, right? I believe so. I don't think like brokers hideout counts as a white common, right? That's what I understand. Yeah. Um, so as we said before, I do think like pivoting into white is difficult. And when you find that to be true, your draft is probably gonna go great because it means you are more likely to start with white cards because white cards are better and more plentiful. But then also if you're seeing white signals and moving into white, or you know, what maybe you start off with Maestro's card, maestro's card, like we talked about, I start off a, a draft with Maestro's Diabolist and then saw a civil servant speculator on that more civil servants came great lock in but usually you're deciding whether or not to jump ship from a white start that's that's the pivot that i feel like i encounter more often than not
0: yes and i think you're pivoting out of it into blue for snoozies or you know there's many different ways it goes but usually it's for two drops like snooping newsy or body dropper those are usually the signals you see in packs that are missing white cards to lead you to jump ship from white and i think just as a general draft philosophy We've talked about this before, but you really should try to start your drafts in blue or white, preferably blue is where I'm at right now, because that gives you the most flexibility. I mean, obviously, if you open a pack with Inspiring Overseer, you're starting white, or if you open a pack with a Civil Servant, you're starting green, white. But if you have a close choice to make, I think you should try to start blue because that lets you go into blue, black, and maestros much easier. Like you can try
1: to be blue, white, and then if it's cut, It's an easier route out. And I I will say, I think it was last week or maybe two weeks ago, I was talking about, you know, the meta shifting in best of three and I was sort of soft avoiding white. I think that, I think we've shifted back and I don't think that that's what you have to do anymore. It's definitely still something that I'm aware of. And I think that's just sort of part of the format is that like, you know, If I'm starting white, I just want to be very hyper aware that sort of, you know, that thing that Ben was talking about earlier of like, you know, being nervous starting a draft with like Civil Servant and a Disciplined Duelist or whatever, which is a great start to a draft, but I get nervous, is white going to get cut? But I am aware of that, but I'm not like scared to start a draft that way anymore. Yes. Yeah. I think starting white, blue, and honestly black, like I'm happy to be black red, but where it gets dicey is starting green or red because I really don't want to end up base red-green if at all possible. Right. So, like even though green-white is great, starting off with a Jewel Thief feels still slightly worse to me than it would have a couple weeks ago, because I feel pretty confident about the decks that I do want to navigate my way into. And Jewel Thief only really makes its way into one. I I have liked red-green decks when they're stupid open, but like you have to, you know, get a Jetmere opened and then get past a Ginny Faye and et cetera. Like it really it feels like, I don't know, drafting green white in Guilds of Ravnica, where like you could get a good green white deck. You had to be the only green white drafter at the table and a bunch of good green white rares had to be opened at the table and made their way to you.
0: Yes, I completely agree.
1: So we've got a, a short list here of the good two drops at common or uncommon in this format. And it is astonishing that white gets. Twice as many as the other colors? As many as every other color pair. I knew this, I think,
0: like subliminally. And when I was making this list, I was like, okay, I'm going to make this list. And then after I made the list, I was
1: like, holy cow, this is not fair at all. So on on White's list here, we have... I think, you know, top of the heap is Rafine's Informant. Then there's also Illuminator Virtuoso, which is not only like a cool whatever build around in the format, it's just a good two drop. Like a two mana 1-1 one, one, double strike is just straight up good in the format. And then the fact that it's got a bunch of other stuff baked into it is awesome. There's Citizen's Crowbar, which is like, it's an equipment. Nope, it's just a two mana 2-2 two, two that dies into a great equipment. Got backup agent, which shout out to two mana one one, put a plus plus one counter on something. Finally, a format where this card is good. Yeah, this card is great. And then you've even got, you know, fine pacifism removal and hold for ransom. And Skycrier, hello, hello, one one flying lifelink. It needs a little help to be good, but not much. Yeah, I don't think you can think
0: of Skycrier as a two drop without cards like backup agent or crowbar or the dagger to mm-hmm. pump it up. But I think as soon as you have cards that are a reliable way to get a point or two of power on sky Cryer, it's premium to drop.
1: My favorite thing to do with sky Cryer is dump two counters from Caldea strong arm onto it. Yeah. I, I think- I think Caldea Strongarm is really underrated right now. It feels like it's basically girder goons in my mind, and I don't think people are treating it that way in the draft. Yeah, I would say that is fair. So that's White's list. It gets six. If we're counting Hold for Ransom on there as a two drop, and I think we can, because honestly, the cards you're most likely wanting to target with Hold for Ransom are cheap creatures, are things that your opponent, once they get to seven mana, isn't going to want to unlock
0: right hold for ransoming your opponent's civil servant is great like it is removal that trades early in the game to let you not fall behind exactly so that's six of them what's happening with blue blue gets fairy vandal at uncommon which is premium 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 Mm -hmm. it gets make disappear at common which is the bane of my existence (laughs) counter something unless they pay two and then has casualty to make them pay four That card Mm -hmm. is also premium, largely because, this was eye-opening to me, there are no other good two drops in blue. There's Broker's Veteran, maybe in a pinch that you're okay to play. That's the one in a blue two one that dies to give a shield counter to something. But that's it. Like, Make Disappear is blue's two drop at common. That's why it's so good. Not because, I mean, it also does line up very well in the format, but... If there were other premium two drops, Make Disappear might be a little less important. I I agree with that.
1: And there's like sort of honorary two drops in Expendable Lackey and Grifter, but it's tough. They have a similar problem as Skycrier because the thing that you really need is at least two power. Because we're not talking about just affecting the board in terms of spending mana to put something on the battlefield. We're talking about affecting the board in an impactful way to trade or race, like, can you, like, if you're on the draw, can you trade with your opponent's two-drop? And if you're on the draw or on the play, are you racing your opponent's board? You know, like, and and Crier sort of helps you do that because it's evasive and has lifelink. But, like, Lackey is not helping you do that at all, basically.
0: Yes, this was the most eye-opening thing about this list for me. It was, holy cow, make Disappear is all blue gets at common.
1: Yeah, I mean, blue also gets, um what's it, Backstreet Bruiser. But I think you either need to know one of two things for Bruiser, or one of three things, I should say. One is... You know, you've your post board and your opponent showed you a bunch of civil servants. Great. You want Bruiser there to be able to trade with it on blocks. Do you have a bunch of counters? Then I guess it can go in there. Or are you hyper defensive? And I think that last thing almost never comes up, right? Right. You don't want to be that in this format, in my opinion. Yeah. So I think, I think Bruiser not being on this list feels right to me. Uh, moving on to black, I think. Honestly, Crooked Custodian might be the best one. This is the ETB tapped two mana three two, just because one, it can attack as a three power creature, but two, again, can trade with Civil Servant. Yes,
0: I'm picking Crooked Custodian over Corrupt Court Official early in the draft for sure.
1: Yeah, well, and part of that is Crooked Custodian I'm happy with in either red, black, or blue, black. Corrupt Court Official I'm basically only happy with in Red, black, as sack fodder for my body droppers. And it pairs well with another, you know, honorary two drop, I would say, in Fake Your Own Death, though it doesn't really count, I would say, because it's. Like it's a two mana trick. It's really, really good, but doesn't really do anything on its own. Yeah. Not helping
0: you early in the game.
1: Yeah. So so corrupt court official, not virus beetle confirmed,
0: not virus beetle confirmed. I agree. Moving on to red premium. We've got strangle, which is, I think, the best way to play defense in the format. It just lines up mm-hmm. so well against what the brokers decks are trying to do. Early in the game, before they get to their shield counters, creatures. And then, past that, there's not great things. There's Riveteer's Requisitioner at Uncommon. That's the 3 1 that makes a treasure when it dies. There's Mayhem Patrol, which you play in red black, but you only want that in hyper aggressive decks. And that card is embarrassing when you are behind. And you're going to be behind
1: even playing red sometimes. Yes, exactly. I mean, j- just being on the draw can cause you to be behind. I mean, and the, the problem with a card like Mayhem Control is if you're on the draw and the game dictates you're behind and that's your two drop, you're just forced to race when that may not be the right decision for you. Yes. Um, I also I also threw Riveteer's Initiate on here. That's the one in the red and that has one and a hybrid Golgari to give it Death Touch. This card is fine, but I think probably right that you left it off of your, your quote unquote good two drops. I probably wouldn't put... And Riveteers initiate as a good two drop.
0: Yeah, that's an in case of emergency. I think much like Broker's Veteran. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, in green, it's so funny. I, I am pretty high on this card now, but I remember a couple weeks ago you had a draft on stream. This was this was in I think per- perhaps your your lowest of the low points drafting Streets of <laughs> capena in the sense of you hadn't gotten to the point where I think you felt comfortable with. Pivoting from or into or away from the white decks. Uh, and you saw Civic Gardener, which is the one in a green 2 2 that when it attacks untaps a land or a creature. Uh, you saw that like pick 11. You were like, what is this doing here? And it's like, <laughs> is Civic Gardener pick 11 that crazy? And honestly, it's not crazy, but it is the kind of thing that feels if you're in green white and that does get to you pick 11. Where that feels like a fist pump.
0: Yeah, it's a 2 2. It's a citizen. It can help smooth out your draws with tap lands. It does a lot of small things really well. Like, are you, is it pulling you into green? Certainly not. But if you're in green, you're very happy to play, I think, quite a few
1: Civic Gardeners. It, the one thing I realized is that this format, there's no Mana Dork at Common or Uncommon for Green. Civic Gardener is kind of your Mana Dork. And it does feel a little bit when I see it on the opposite side of the battlefield. I do look at that and I'm like, how much, what kind of mana advantage are we talking about here from my opponent? Like, what are they going to get to do with this? Are they going to get to do something crazy where, you know, they've got a dual land and they get to float a mana and untap it and then cast one of the charms? That's not great for me. Are they going to get to like play a two drop and then a three drop or something? Like, are they going to get to use it in that way on turn four? I I don't know. So I, I do feel like. This does create a mana advantage, or you can use, you know, a lot of instant speed stuff like Swooping Protector or Warm Welcome um, with the mana. I, I don't know. I found it to be pretty darn good. Yeah. Next up is your boy, Riveteer's Decoy. I love Riveteer's Decoy. This is uh, 100 green for the 3-1. must be blocked, and it has a blitz cost for 300 green. I'm always hoping to blitz this. I'm, I'm always hoping to, to snag a creature from my opponent and draw a card off of it, but... When I have to play it on turn two, I'll play it on turn two, and that's why it's so good yep venom
0: connoisseur also on the list that one i think is less premium it's more civic gardener territory honestly I, I honestly like civic gardener maybe better than venom connoisseur Whoa. unless unless you have combos
1: with the venom connoisseur no first of all i'm loving the little the little liquid you that you're giving this this venom <laughs> venom conno- the venom connoisseur i'm loving that i'm loving it. Le, <laughs> le briefcase uh that's how I, you pronounce that word isn't it? i mean i would just say connoisseur i would just i would just give it a sir there but you know yeah I, <laughs> I appreciate the the classiness that you're bringing to the podcast this morning. Um, I lo- I really like Venom Connoisseur. By combos, you mean ways to get two creatures in play. Like I, I guess you mean either Pyre Sledge Arsonist, which is a cool combo, or you mean ways to get multiple creatures in play to give like your whole team death touch, right? Yes, like Yeah, yeah, yeah. So something like Darling of the Masses, you mean, like a, a way to get like multiple creatures in play. And then also giving your whatever, your one ones or your 2-1 tokens. Death touch is also pretty darn good. Yeah, that. Okay, cool. And then I think the last category here is the gold two drops. Civil Servant, Body Dropper, Snooping Newsy, Jet Mirror's Fixer. In that order, I would say, honestly, um, with it, there being a big gap Civil Servant, Big Gap, Body Dropper, Greater Than Newsy, Big Gap, Jetmere's Fixer. I mean, Fixer is, I still think it's a good two drop, but it's just in such a woefully undersupported color pair.
0: Yeah, well, and Civil Servant outclassing every other two drop in the format while also making it impossible to race is just yeah. a scourge on the format. But we've been we've been down that road. So I think mm. the things to take away from this are that White has a ton of premium two drops, blue really only gets make disappear at common plus Mm -hmm. fairy vandal and you have to do work for fairy vandal before it's a card like it's not just trading with your opponent's civil servants when you cast it black gets crooked custodian as its premium and then corrupt court official i think a step down because it can't trade red gets strangle and maybe mayhem patrol but you shouldn't be taking mayhem patrol early in my opinion and then green has like some fine filler two drops and then the thing that feels great about I think black sort of in my mind had better two draws, but that's because you get a touch both body dropper and snooping newsy. So you kind of Mm -hmm. when you're black get to take the crooked custodians and then feel out whether you want to pick up the body droppers or the snooping newsies.
1: Thank God celestial regulator is a three drop. Like if that was, (laughs) if they decided to make it a cycle and celestial regulator was any kind of good card, like like I don't know, I don't know how to nerf it as it is to make it a two drop. Um, Maybe you make it a one two or something, but it's just significantly less good as it is. Um, if it were a two-drop, because you don't want to play it first. But anyway, yeah, like I couldn't imagine if White got another two drop on this list. Yeah. So let's take a look at some draft logs where we have some one-way streets, we maybe have some U-turns, and just talk about the decision points and why these are interesting decision points in this format in particular.
0: All right, we got one of my drafts up first here. Are you ready to take a seat at the round table, my friend? I am. All right, pack one, pick one. You see the following cards as options. No real commons in contention. Best thing is probably like a broker's hideout, the broker's land. In mm-hmm. the uncommons, there's a fairy vandal, one blue for the 1-2 flash flyer. When you draw your second card each turn, put a plus and plus one counter on it. And then in the mythic rare slot, there's body launderer, two black black for the 3-3 three, three with death touch. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, body launderer connives. Whenever Body Launderer dies, return another target non-rogue creature card with equal or lesser power from your graveyard to the battlefield.
1: Yeah, well, we talked about this a little bit before the the recording. I would take Body Launderer here. Maybe I'm just being uh, being swindled by the the shiny Mythic Rare, but I have been very impressed by Body Launderer, and I'm happy to be blue, black, or black, red. I know it's a four-drop, but I think it's a powerful enough four-drop that I'd be willing to start with it here.
0: Yeah, I landed on Fairy Vandal, and the pick is honestly, for me... <laughs> not that close. I mean, it's, it's yeah. a close pick. Body launder is a great card, but starting out with a two drop versus starting out with a four drop feels a million times better to me in this format. And especially in blue black, I right. have found four drops a dime a dozen to pick up. And whether my four drop is a Body Launderer or something like Girder Goons does not
1: concern me that much right you get girder goons echo inspector the the four mana three three flyer at uncommon that can be a five five flyer yeah you have no shortage of four mana plays run out of town no shortage of four mana plays in blue black and this is one of those places where i think it is close and so i'd rather start blue to give myself outs to be blue white right great tiebreaker here or two great tiebreakers here four drop versus two drop and blue card versus black card
0: yeah so moving on to pack one pick two with a fairy vandal you see the following cards as options there's a Snooping Newsy, blue black for the 2 2 when ETB's mill 2. As long as there are five or more mana values, it gets plus one plus one and lifelink. There's a Civil Servant, green white for the 2 3. When it attacks, you can tap another untapped citizen to give it plus one plus one and lifelink until end of turn. And then moving on to the uncommons, there's Ceremonial Groundbreaker, the shovel. One green white equipped for three or equip a citizen for one and the equip creature gets plus two plus one and has trample.
1: Where are you at on Groundbreaker these days? Because the stats aren't that good. I think it's sitting at like 55%, like an average win rate. Ah, never tell me the odds. Never tell me the stats. (laughs) My guess is that people are putting it in decks where they don't have enough citizens. You, You really don't want this in your deck when it's equip cost is three. You want it in the deck where the equip cost is one. And ideally, when you've got something like a civil servant, so you get the the boost on the lifelink or something like a discipline duelist, like something where you're it's already it's begging to wear something that has plus two, plus one and trample. And this gives it that for one mana.
0: Right. Skycriers as well. Yeah, I like it yeah. a lot.
1: decks with a high citizen count and I don't play it decks with a low citizen count. Exactly. But here it's not in the conversation. Like if I'm taking a green white card, I'm taking Civil Servant. And honestly, I'm taking Civil Servant because it's enough better in my mind than Snooping Newsy, which would be, I think, the pick you would make as a concession to having Fairy Vandal in your pile. But that's not something I want to do with a card as powerful as Civil Servant in the pack. I do think if Servant's not here, I would take Newsy over Groundbreaker. Like I would just take Newsy to stick with the Vandal but I would take Civil Servant here out of this pack.
0: Yes, I completely agree. And I think there's already decisions compounding, right? Because if you if you take Snooping Newsy, you're saying I am probably definitely going to be blue and likely going to be blue-black. If you take Civil Servant, you have outs to be Green, white or blue, white or blue, black. But you've got two drops touching all of those things. So you do actually have options by taking Civil Servant here. The thing I want to run by you is if you take Body Launderer Pack 1, you kind of feel priced into taking Snooping Newsy here over Civil Servant. Or are you still Mm -hmm. comfortable making the Civil Servant pick with Body Launderer?
1: no i I would say ta- I think body Launderer is I don't know bomb status in my mind like it's really good and I think is a problem every time I see it on the battlefield for my opponents so yes I would make a concession for snooping newsy here and and might end up feeling bad right if if white green is open that's the deck I want to draft. And it's going to become increasingly difficult for me to get into it. It's going to be increasingly difficult for me to make a U-turn in this draft if I start Launderer into Newsy and I pass Civil Servant here. And I think either one of those routes is fine, right? Mm-hmm.
0: But you have to realize the four drop means you're more likely to be on a one-way street through the draft because you have to pick up those two drops in your color. And I think if you start with Fairy Vandal, then you see here right away, we have the flexibility of being able to, to make a concession in power and take the civil servant, which is the the more premium card, but doesn't go with our first pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on to pack one, pick three with a fairy vandal and a civil servant. You see the following cards as options. There's make disappear, one in a blue for the instant, counter target spell unless its controller pays two, and it has casualty one. There's jewel thief, two and a green for the three, three vigilance trample. When it ETBs, you make a treasure token. And honestly,
1: that's about it. There's a crooked custodian and nothing else really. Yeah, so like, you know, if we want to keep talking about this potential black path, you'd be happy with custodian here as it stands with a follow up to your civil servant thrilled to see jewel thief and taking it. Yep. Pick four, very
0: empty pack with a ceremonial groundbreaker. So you snatch that up. That's the the shovel. And moving into pack one, pick five. You have the following cards in your pile. You've got the fairy vandal, the civil servant, the jewel thief and the ceremonial groundbreaker. And you see these things in contention. There's a for the family. Green for the instant, target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. And if you have four or more creatures, it gets plus four, plus four instead. There's Celestial Regulator, one blue-white for the 2-3 flying. When ETBs choose target creature, you don't control and tap it. If you have a creature with a counter on it, it doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. And there's also your boy, Strong Arm, 4-G, 2-3 when ETBs put two plus most encounters on target creature and has blitz for three and a green.
1: So this is a very interesting pick, right? Because Celestial Regulator is the best card in the pack. And you look at your pips of the cards that you've drafted already. Well, I'm in brokers, right? This is a three-color format. I'm in brokers. I've got green cards, white cards, and blue cards. I can take Celestial Regulator, right? Right. Wrong. Wrong is the answer. You cannot (laughs) do it. Because, I mean, you can. I guess guess what, what I should say is you can take it. But you have to recognize if you're going to take it, you're not splashing it. And so that means, you know, one of the questions I always tell people to ask or what you want to be asking yourself throughout the draft when you make picks is, what is the path through this draft where this card makes my deck? I mean, you take Celestial Regulator here, the path where this card makes your deck is the path where you're white blue. And the path where you're white blue means you're not playing Civil Servant, Jewel Thief. You might splash Groundbreaker if you have enough Citizens and your mana's good, but you're giving up on three picks, basically. And so I'm willing to take a concession in power here and and get deeper into green to leave my options more open. Now I see you've selected for the family, which is probably correct. <laughs> I would personally take strong arm because I'm pretty high on it, and you have two really good places to dump the counters with civil servant, and specifically the the curve of jewel thief into strong arm blitzed to have a five five vigilance trample is big game.
0: I agree with all those things you said about strong arm. The reason I took for the family here is just strictly curve. Like I want. For the family, more yeah. than I want strong arm in my final deck. I agree that strong arm is great here. I just feel like what you said, people are low on strong yeah, arm. You so can, I expect you'll get to them. see that card. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I, to- I totally agree. Yeah, I just I just wanted to take the opportunity to to wax poetic about my boy.
0: <laughs> but a lot of people when I did this draft in Twitch chat were saying to pick regulator. You can be brokers. You don't want to be brokers. You want to be green white or blue yes. white and celestial regulator. It's so tempting here because you see regulator, brokers, I'm drafting the best deck. I get to take the best card of the pack. Great. But I think you're setting yourself up for issues mana-wise mm-hmm. and flexibility-wise down the draft if you take regulators here.
1: Totally agree. Well, you're just like, you know, you're, it's about restricting the choices in the future versus opening up choices in the future. When you take regulator, you're either deciding one of two things. I'm going to be white-blue, or I'm going to give up on this pick, or my mana is going to be terrible. Like one of those things is going to be the case. Right, so I think this is a
0: place where you can't pivot for Celestial Regular already. I think the Civil Servant, Groundbreaker, Jewel Thief dictates that you are so likely to be green-white.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're at least so likely to be base green. And I guess if you're Ben, you're green white because he's never drafting green red. So yep, I, I, I think that's I think that's fair. All right, let's take a look at one of my draft logs here. Pack one, pick one. They're not really any commons in contention. I mean, there's a majestic metamorphosis, the blue trick. There's jet fixer as a as a good two and a bad color pair. The uncommons there's there's more of the same uh, bad cards in red green security rocks as the four mana five four cabaret charm, which is fine, but not something I'm taking early. But thankfully. We have a pretty sweet rare in Jaxus, the troublemaker, three and a red, two, three with blitz for one and a red, and you can pay red, tap it, discard a card, create a token that's a copy of another target creature you control, it gains haste, and when this creature dies, draw a card, sack it at the beginning of the next end step, activate only as a sorcery.
0: Yeah, that is a bomb in my mind, and someone was like, oh, it's got terrible stats. I don't know. Every time I've seen Jaxus on the battlefield for me or my opponent, it has completely dominated the
1: game. Until it's been killed. It is a must-answer threat. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think Jaxus is awesome and is a reason to get into the worst color in my mind, but uh but I'm definitely going to be wary, right? Starting off a draft with a red card. Yes. So moving on to pack one, pick two, I think there's already a ton of things to unpack here. So the rare is missing, but we've got a lot of options. I think if you want to stay red, The best card is Plasma Jockey, but there is a red two-drop in Riveteer's Initiate. There's Girder Goons as a good card that pairs with Jaxus. The four and a black four, four, when it dies, make a tapped two, two, and it has blitz for three and a black. And then we do have some two drops. We've got backup agent at common and illuminator virtuoso at uncommon. What are your thoughts here?
0: My thoughts are that this is a very hard pick because you started out with a red card, right? Your life just gets harder when you start out with a red card. So I think you have one of two things in my mind. You're either taking illuminator virtuoso as a premium two drop and probably either playing virtuoso or Jaxus. Uh-huh. And I think if you are of the mind that Jaxus is good enough that you don't want to pivot off of it, Gerder Goons is the card that pairs best with it, while also maybe giving you some wiggle room to potentially pivot off of it.
1: Yeah, right. So I think it's it's interesting, this pick already, there's implications. Illuminator Virtuoso, in my mind, is the best card here. But as you said, if you take that, then you're effectively deciding, because I'm not like, I guess there's a world where I could end up white, green, and Splash Jaxus in a Cabretti deck. That could happen. That's pretty unlikely in my mind. So I think it's an either-or situation. Whereas you take girder goons and you can play that in red black or you leave yourself outs to be blue black and maybe you still splash jacks is there. And I think there's a a thought where you could be like, well, I've got a good red card, if you know, if you subscribe as we do, that Jaxus is a really good card. Well, then I'll take just a red card to keep myself open in Plasma Jockey. But because I really don't want to end up base red green, if at all possible, Plasma Jockey doesn't keep me that open. If I'm going to be base red, I'm going to be base red black. And so then Girder Goons might as well be the card that I take, right?
0: Yes. But I think if you take Girder Goons here, I don't know how you feel about this, but I am feeling stressed, starting with a four (laughs) drop and a five drop. Like I am... Very worried about picking up two drops. And I think to the point that like I almost feel like I have to be red black right now Uh-huh. or I'm just jumping ship for other two drops. But like the only thing going through my mind if I start with Jaxus into Gerder Goons is I have to pick up two
1: drops ASAP. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. I have to pick up two drops in this color pair or I have to pivot to another color pair to get two drops. I I totally agree. Um, So what happens pack one pick three after following up Jaxus and Gergoons? Well, you have a two drop as an option. You've got corrupt court official. There are better cards in the pack. There's an echo inspector at common, the three and a blue, two, three flyer, ETBs and connives. And probably the best card in the pack, period, is Darling of the Masses. Two green, white, two, four. Other citizens you control get plus one, plus oh. And whenever it attacks, you make a one, one green and white citizen creature token. Yeah,
0: I think with the start that you have, I am slamming corrupt court official here and honestly kind of breathing a sigh of relief that I got to pick a two drop, pick three. And I think there is little to no consideration for Darling of the Masses for me. I think if you take Illuminator Virtuoso last pack, Mm-hmm. You can maybe take Darling, but honestly, I'm almost more interested in backup agent if you take mm-hmm. Illuminator Virtuoso last pick. But I think corrupt court official here is outstanding. And I think what this is showing to me is just how important two drops are and how much wiggle room there there is a limited amount of wiggle room and you are sacrificing some portion of that limited amount of wiggle room anytime you take anything other than a two-drop in the first five picks of the draft.
1: Well, or when you don't take a white card, right? Like, how restricted do you feel starting with Jaxus versus even just starting with a girder goons in a draft? Like, I just feel so much more like I've got breathing room because when I take Jaxus, I'm like, well, I really hope I don't end up red-green. So I'm basically just red-black. And do I really want to be red black if anything else is open? But how do you jump ship? Like, it's really hard.
0: Right. That's why pick two, I would be a little more inclined to take Illuminator Virtuoso because Mm -hmm. I I think I am willing to jump ship on Jaxus for all those reasons you just yeah. mentioned.
1: I don't know if this was during my soft avoid white phase or not. Um, so so that, <laughs> that might have been why I passed up on the Virtuoso. Um, but I, I agree. I look back at this and I go, well, I think Virtuoso might be the pick there second. But I think it's so interesting that because a lot of times, you know, you think you think pick one, pick two, pick three, just take the best card out of the pack, right? Just don't don't worry about it. But I'm not doing that in this format. I'm, I'm making concessions. I'm making all of those well, I don't want to end up here, and so I want to do this. And so because of that, blah, 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 then I'm going to do this. Like the guild aspect of it and the color imbalance aspect of it really does make a lot of your decisions a little bit harder, I think, I think in this format.
0: Yes. All right. Pack one, pick one of a draft of mine here. So you see the following options. There's Inspiring Overseer, Lol. And then in the rear <laughs> slot, there's Ginny Faye, Jetmere's second. Uh, the 3-3 three, three that turns your tokens into 2-2 two, two cats or 3-1 dogs. And I think you're just taking Inspiring Overseer over Jenny Fay. Not particularly close. Agreed. Right. So pack one, pick one. You've got Inspiring Overseer. Pack one, pick two. Again, you have kind of a pretty straightforward pick here in Illuminator Virtuoso as the best card in the pack and matching up with Inspiring Overseer. It's one and a white for the 1-1 double strike. When it becomes the target of a spell you control, it connives. Other things in the pack, there's a Syndicate Infiltrator. And honestly, nothing else.
1: Yeah, I mean, this this feels great. I'm sort of cheating and jumping ahead. But when you start Overseer Virtuoso, I'm basically one white card away from going, I'm white. It's going to be very hard. If you 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 get a Celestial Regulator next, it's going to be really hard for this draft to convince me that I'm not white you know? Right. I think
0: your, your room or your time to make a U-turn is rapidly running out. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. The lane, the lane is ending in a thousand feet or whatever, and you gotta, you gotta figure it out pretty soon.
0: All right. So moving on to pack one, pick three, see the following cards as options. There's a strangle red for the deal three. There's crooked custodian one in a black for the three, two ETBs tapped and then no white common in the pack so someone has taken a white common to our right and then a rare also missing and the only uncommon in consideration i think is nimble larceness potentially white blue black for the two one flying when etbs target opponent reveals their hand and you can take an artifact instant or sorcery from it
1: Oof! so many interesting things baked into this pick okay so i think the best card in this pack on power is strangle would you agree with that yes absolutely But, you know, the world where we play Strangle with the cards that we've drafted is when we end up white, green, splash, red for Strangle. That's a a, a path I can see for sure. The next consideration would be to take Nimble larcenist, because it keeps us white, but... That locks you into being, you know, white blue, because you know we want to be base white. So it's not like it's a flexible card in that respect. So it locks us into being base, white, blue and wanting to splash black, which is not necessarily a place I don't like being, but I don't really like Nimble Arsenus that much to take it here. And then another thing to think about is Crooked Custodian as just a good two drop. And the world where that makes our deck is also a world where we end up black blue and then maybe splash overseer which is a world i'm happy to be in i'm happy to splash overseer or maybe a world where black red is super open and we just end up abandoning these cards or i've definitely been black red and splashed overseers before that's that's a world you can live in too so i think you can make a case i guess you can make a case for any of those three cards just knowing what the implications are I think I personally like taking Custodian because the world where we end up Blue Black Splash Overseer is a good world, and the world where Black Red is open, and I have this as a two drop is a good world. Whereas Strangle being a better card, but leaving me less flexible, I think I'm less interested in that.
0: Yeah, that's what I landed on as well for Cricket Custodian. That's the card I took. How worried about a white common being missing from this pack, are you with this start for Illuminator Virtuoso and Overseer?
1: I'm I'm pretty worried, I would say. And <laughs> I-, I think that's part of why, you know, it's interesting if Nimble Larksonist is a better uncommon, but had similar implications, I wonder if you still might go, uh eh. If a white common is missing, I may be potentially in a world of hurt in terms of fighting for white with my direct neighbor, which is not a spot I think I want to be in. So I I think that helps you take a non-white card here as well.
0: Yeah. So we took the Cricut Custodian. Moving on to pack one, pick four. I think very interesting pick here. So again, there's a rare and uncommon and a white common for sure missing from the pack. There's Mm -hmm. no white common in the pack. So cards in consideration, there's girder goons four and a black for the four four when it dies create a two two tapped black rogue creature token with a blitz cost of three and a black and ballroom brawlers in the uncommon slot three white white for three five when it attacks it and up to one other target creature you control gain your choice of first strike and or lifelink until end of turn
1: ballroom brawlers is another card where like the stats aren't that good but every time i've seen it i go that's a huge problem that's how i feel as well i love ballroom brawlers I mean it suffers from the, you know, it costs five problem, right? Like you're you're in no danger of having of not finding expensive things in this format. I think that's largely due to all of the family fixers, except for the the shattered serif being quite good. And so you've got access to these five mana six mana cards at common that you're happy to play um but yeah and brothers is good but this is now back-to-back packs with missing white commons you just took the custodian i think i might just say eh, i'm gonna take goons here and probably not draft white this time that's what i did i don't know if that's right or wrong because the,
0: the white start you have is very good so we take girder goons here and i think the most likely thing from here after picking girder goons is that i'm thinking about pivoting into blue-black splash overseer. That's what I'm hoping to have happen. Yeah. If white is that cut, and if white is not that cut, I think also fine to play white-black. And again, this happens like once every 15 drafts or something, so you shouldn't be trying to draft enemy color pairs. But I think if you get a good white start, and then you find another color that is open, and you're getting the premium commons, like Rafine's Informant and Inspiring Overseer, you don't necessarily need access to the gold commons.
1: Right. And because I think white specifically enables enemy color pairs, I mean, I guess really just white black, because I don't Probably don't want to draft white red because its commons are so good and it has twice as many two drops. And so even if it's cut from both directions, you can often get a good white card out of, you know, your first, second, or third picks in a pack. And so then and then you know clean up the rest of the pack with your second color yeah all right so we'll take a look at one more draft log here see if there's a u-turn or if this is a one-way street here pack one pick one probably the best common is jewel thief two and a green three three vigi trample etbs and makes a treasure got some good uncommons as well rocco Cabaretti, caterer i really like the x red green white three one etbs um if you cast it you can search your library for a creature card with mana value x or less and put it onto the battlefield there's a Riveteer's Requisitioner, a good two drop, one in a red, three, one when it dies, make a treasure token and has blitz for two in a red. But a rare busto, Rabble Rousing, four in a white enchantment, has hideaway five. Whenever you attack with one or more creatures, you make that many one, one green and white citizen creature tokens. And then if you control 10 or more creatures, you can play the exiled card without paying its mana cost. Yeah, Rabble Rousing
0: is an absurd bomb and it's in the best color. And I think you're taking it here quite happily over Jewel Thief.
1: Yeah, pack one, pick two. Pretty tough decision here, I would say. There isn't a good white card. The The mono white card in the pack is Kill Shot, which I don't like very much. There's also a Spars Adjudicators, which I do like quite a bit. This is the Brokers Family Fixer 4 4. And then I would say the best card in the pack overall, in my mind, or the highest ceiling card in the pack is Dusk Mangler. Five black black for the five four as an additional cost to cast it. Sack a creature, discard a card, or pay for life. And when it ETBs, each opponent must do all three of those things.
0: Yeah, I think Dusk Mangler is the only really card you care about at all in the pack. So I think I would take it here, but worth noting that these are definitely not going in the same deck. So very soon we are going to have to make a decision about whether we want to play Rabble Rousing or Dusk Mangler.
1: Well, you can definitely end up I think more likely blue-black than black-red. Like, black-red decks, I think, don't like to splash. But I also think blue-black is your best home for Dusk Mangler. That's where you're likely to have self-mill and reanimate stuff for it, etc. So I think there's definitely a world where you can be blue-black and splash-rabble-rousing, right? I
0: guess, yeah. But Dusk Mangler, to me, is a hyper-control finisher. Like, it's unlikely that you're going to want to be attacking that much in that deck i don't know those those two cards ask very different things of your decks to me
1: I, i'm not at a point where i'm, I'm ready to not just jam a, a planes in my deck for rabble rousing here but maybe maybe i'm holding on to that card too much not that you wouldn't do that if that's how it ended up necessarily but i just think they're both cards incentivize you to do different things that's all i'm trying to say i guess i agree with that for sure so we've got dusk mangler we've got rabble rousing pack one pick three see the following cards as options there's another spars adjudicators. There's an obscure storefront that could potentially help you cast both Ravel Rousing and Dusk Mangler. Right, that searches up Island, Plains, or Swamp. There's a Sky Crier as a two drop that might play well with the Rousing as an evasive attacker. And then moving on to the uncommons, I think the best card in the pack in my mind is Wing Shield Agent, Tuna blue, two, three ETBs with the shield counter when it attacks up to one other target creature gains flying until end of turn. Yeah, this one I think is interesting because ostensibly there's a two drop that pairs with
0: Ravel Rousing in Skycryer, Crier, mm-hmm. but that's not quite a good enough two drop for me to be my right. first white two drop. Like if it's backup agent... I'm probably in here just to pair it yes. up with Rabble Rousing. Like, that's the line. Like, Skycrier versus Backup Agent. And obviously, we're Fiends Informant or something like that. You're just slamming. Mm-hmm. But Sky is enough of a dip here that I think Wingshield Agent as a better card, even though it's a three-drop, lines up well with either Rabble Rousing or Dust Mangler or even potentially all three in the same deck. But again, lets you toe the line between Rabble Rousing and Dust Mangler very well. So I think I would land
1: on Wingshield Agent. It's I think specifically interesting that Wingshield Agent bridges the gap, right? It is the color between white and black and is allied with both white and black. If this is, say, Elegant Entourage, the four drop in green, it's a four-four that uh, whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, another creature gets plus one, plus one, and trample until end of turn. I would say that if that were here, that would be the best card in the pack if it was in place of Wingshield Agent. But because it's not between white and black, I think I would probably just take Sky Crier there. I agree. And I think if you do take Skycryer
0: here, even as a medium two drop, you do make it much more likely that you get to play Rabble Rousing, I think. That is the thing that Skycryer does here right. versus yeah. Wing Shield Agent. For sure.
1: Uh, pack one pick four is, is the, the real interesting one, I think, here because we're going to differ. So, pack one pick four, I think that the choices comes down to the best card in the pack is Civil Servant, the green, white, uh, two, three, two drop at common. And another copy of Wing Shield Agent at Uncommon.
0: Yeah, I think this is a super interesting pick here. And so I agree going Rousing, Mangler, Wing Shield Agent. I would have made those same three picks. For me here, I think I would lean towards Civil Servant ahead of Wing Shield Agent. One, because I I really want to play Rabble Rousing. And not that you can't play Rabble Rousing with two Wing Shield Agents. Like, Wing Shield Agent is probably a card that goes very well with Rabble Rousing. I just want two drops and I think taking (laughs) civil servant here like if I end up green white civil servant is going to be worlds better than wing shield agent is in my blue white deck because if you're playing wing shield agents with rabble rousing that probably means white's open anyway so you're getting white two drops and if you're white I'd rather have the civil servant paired with other white two drops than I would two Wing Shield agents paired with other white two drops. So I I would take Civil Servant here.
1: Yeah, I think that all makes a ton of sense to me. I ended up taking Wing Shield agent and I don't know what I would do if this draft were today. You're making a lot of really strong cases for Civil Servant. I took the agent thinking, again, it's like going to keep me flexible. You know, I take the second agent. I probably lean more into being base blue. Can either decide if I'm base blue, white with rabble rousing, base blue, black with mangler and then splash rabble rousing potentially. But I, I think you're making a lot of strong arguments for the Civil Servant. And that pick makes a lot of sense to me. I think maybe my Wingshield agent pick is like a nod to general draft strategy of like keeping me open and and then keeping as many paths as possible and not a nod to what's so important in this format and what this episode's thesis is, which is two drops.
0: Well, and I think and even more interesting wrinkle to this is pack one pick three and this is hindsight's 2020 obviously that there's a civil servant the next pack but if you do take that sky Cryer pick three over wing shield agent how much better do you feel about being able to take civil servant here right like oh, I, think, I feel
1: thrilled about civil servant here
0: right so i think a takeaway from the episode rather than like whether these individual picks are right or wrong is just how important two drops are and how much they shape the early course of the draft. And when you take high drops like Rabble Rousing, if you want to take it, you have to get two drops in that color to be able to play it. And if you don't, you just can't play that card. And I think Mm -hmm. as long as you understand that about the format and you come to terms with that, you will have a better time in drafts. Like I have been feeling more flexible because I've been picking two drops way more aggressively early, even if they don't go together.
1: And I, I think one one last little addendum point here is if you're not thinking about these types of decision points, if pack one, pick three, you're not thinking, okay, well, what concessions am I making? How does this, be? you're just drafting the format wrong. You're leaving equity on the table. These are the times in the draft. A lot of times, like these decision points don't come until, like we say, like in the middle of pack two. These decision points are compounded in this format and they all happen in like the first half of pack one. Yes. So you need to do a lot of thinking in the first, the first six picks of pack one. I agree. I agree completely.
0: All right. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you as always to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give
1: it a listen. Thanks so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter. And you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody.
0: See you later.